You guys sound really good. Thanks again for your flexibility this morning. Very grateful for that. Blame Brad, please. I, I've been trying to work around like uh, his story, but uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So um, Jackie will do the call to worship, and then we'll sing Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus. Brad will then pray us out of that and into a greeting with each other, and then he will bless and dismiss the kids. So I would invite you guys, um, I got a hunch Brad's story is going to be like a good 15 minutes or so. When, um, after that second song, when we do that greeting, when people stand up to greet each other, I would say go sit down. And then when I come up after Brad's story, because I'll kind of wrap him up and maybe pray or something and invite the offering, that'll give you time to come up and get back in place for uh, Cornerstone. Does that sound good? When I come up, when you, when you see me come up at the end, you just kind of come up and get in the spots. I might say a word to Brad, maybe a prayer. I'll invite us to continue worshiping with the offering, um, and then we'll go into Cornerstone. Then you guys could sit back down again, and then I will invite you forward at the end of the message. Okay? So slide-wise, yeah, um, so Ethan, if you could just bring up that first slide, like after we sing Christ Alone, and then I come back up, uh, can you just put up that first slide to start the recording, then I'll take it from there. And then when Brad's doing his story, can you put up that Kingdom Breakthrough one? Okay. And then, uh, like, I would say uh, he's going to start his story right after he blesses and dismisses the kids. So be ready to videotape right after that. Okay. And then um, just to go through my slides, devoted to fellowship. And then we have Acts 2.42, John 17. We have Koinonia. And then John, 1 John 1, 3, tune to each other. I'm going to talk about a piano this morning, Jackie, and how like when we, if we all tune to the same fork, we're all, we actually are in tune with each other, you know. So uh, that's an A.W. Tozer quote, then we'll go back to Koinonia, then I'm going to put up a funny picture of me running. Look at that gut, man, man, just Holy being spurred God. on. Look at that. Like what a, I know, I know. What races do you have? Well, this was my neighborhood race. Like, I'm going to talk about that a little bit and uh, how we spurred each other on. Crow missed it. He didn't want to be part of that. Could have been. Do yeah. you notice Brendan got in on it? He didn't even race. He, he biked. But see, he got in on the picture thinking he's an athlete and things like that. And then uh, from there, um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. The Breen quote... And then, loosely as fellowship. Sounds good. Well, good morning, Victory Point. My name's Matt. I'm part of the team here. And uh, you don't need a message from me this morning. You've already had a convicting message, inspiring message from Brad. But I don't want the kids to have to cut short their time, so I'm just going to talk a little bit this morning, but uh, maybe not as much as I was planning on, because I knew in my heart that, that what Brad had on his heart was what we needed to hear this morning. And it was a good word from the loving Father through our brother Brad. And I just invite you, like if, if you're at capacity now, forget anything I'm about to say Focus on those words and pay attention to the two questions we always ask. 
What's God saying to you through Brad's story, through his humble story of, of being prompted by God, but, but fearfully not stepping into it and what God's teaching him through that? What's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? But I'm going to say a few words about fellowship. And I think what, what we experience through Brad's Kingdom Breakthrough story is an expression of fellowship. So Dr. Luke, Luke, the, the guy that wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, what we know about him is he wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile. He was a friend of Paul's, he was a physician, and he wrote two documents, um, the Book of Luke and the, the Book of Acts, um, he wrote two documents to a man named Theophilus. One was about Jesus, the Gospel of Luke, and one was about the movement that sprung up uh, after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and that's the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, he was describing to Theophilus what the, the early church was like, and he said this. He said, the, these believers, this early church, they devoted themselves, like Brad reminded us, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship into the breaking of bread, into prayer. Now, if you're like me, I get the scripture part. Like, yeah, of course, we should be devoted to the word of God. Certainly, we should be devoted to prayer and, and to the Lord's Supper. But, but what about fellowship? Why is that in there? Why is that one of the four big devotions of the early church? What's so essential about fellowship? Would you say you're devoted to fellowship? When you look at your life, when you reflect on your life, is that, I mean, you, you read the scriptures, you pray, are, are you devoted to fellowship? I mean, the dictionary says to be devoted to something means to give all or a large portion of your time or resources to it. Do you give a large portion of your time and resources to fellowship? In the Latin root of that word, it means consecrate. Like, do you, is your life consecrated to experiencing fellowship Fellowship was something that early believers took seriously and they invested in. Fellowship was a priority. As a matter of fact, this whole section uh, that Acts 2.42 kind of leads into, Acts 2.42 through 47, is titled, in my Bible at least, The Fellowship of the Believers. And last week, Brendan had a brilliant message sharing how our fellowship, our unity, is our witness that the oneness that the early church both experienced and exhibited in their day was compelling to a watching world. There was neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. They were all one in Christ Jesus. The early church took seriously what Jesus prayed in John 17 when uh, Jesus prays things like to the Father, you know, Father, I want them to be in me as I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Lord, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know. There's something about the unity of the body of Christ that shows the world that God is real and that he loves them. And you know, Brendan brought us into the book of Corinthians, and it was obvious that the Corinthian church was experiencing divisions. The American church today experiences divisions, but there, there's, our country experiences divisions, okay? Like, um, but there's something about 
the unity and the oneness and the sharing of life together that the, the church can have in Jesus that is compelling and can show the world who God is and what he's like. So what is fellowship? When I came to Victory Point in 2004, uh, soon after that, I got placed on the fellowship team. Bob and Karen, we were on this fellowship team together. And our task was to create fellowship events for the church to come together. So we'd go out on a big boat and have a dinner, and we'd go to the Whitecaps. That's one of the events we still do today. Um, we, I was on the fellowship team. Some churches, maybe you grew up in churches like this, they had a fellowship hall. That's where you experience fellowship, was in the fellowship hall, cookies, windmill cookies, coffee, things like that. You know, um, that, that's what fellowship was. Um, but but here's, here's what I think the early church experienced. It, fellowship was not a room in a, in a building. Fellowship was not even an event or an activity. It was a way of life and it wasn't optional. So I just want to dig into that real quick. In the New Testament Greek, uh, the word that, that we use for fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia. Now, in the New Testament Greek, I mean, there's, root word, there's a root word, there's primary words, there's secondary words that kind of go together with this. There's lots of layers to fellowship. It's kind of like a, an onion or a parfait. You know, there's lots of layers um, to the word fellowship. But when you, when you look at all the words used for fellowship, um, it, it sort of implies four different ideas. And I'm just going to breeze through these quickly. Fellowship is a relationship. It implies a relationship, a sharing together of a common life. Because we share Christ in common, we have a common life of fellowship. The idea to the early church that fellowship could be centered around just affinities and common interests, that would have been foreign to them. John, in uh, one of his epistles, in 1 John 1, 3, he says this, We proclaim to you what we've seen and what we've heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, catch this, fellowship always has a spiritual significance and basis. That is the root of fellowship. I came across this quote um, by A.W. Tozer, and and, uh, I thought it made sense to me. He, He says this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same tuning fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard in which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers, we got a little bit more than that in this room. 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God and strive for closer fellowship. Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, fellowship with the Father through the Spirit is the basis and the only way for us to experience fellowship with each other. Fellowship vertically creates fellowship horizontally. Jesus is the, fellowship isn't something you, you, you manufacture, it's something that you experience out of fellowship with Christ and by that with others. So relationship is what it means to have fellowship. Partnership, as sharers together of the person and life of Christ, we are automatically co-partners in his kingdom work here on earth. 
So relationship describes what we are. We're a community of people bound together by our common fellowship in the life and blessing of Jesus. Partnership describes how we relate to each other in that relationship. We are partners in the family business. The family business is the kingdom of God. The the declaring and the demonstrating of the kingdom of God. We are partners in that. That's how we experience fellowship. We're partners in the family business. In our calling to work together for a common purpose to the glory of God. Implied in fellowship is this idea of companionship. Companionship. I'll go back to that. Companionship. The communion that exists between those who are associated together through a common relationship and partnership. The early church was devoted to caring for one another and in sharing with each other what they were learning about Christ and what Christ meant to them. There was this communion. There was this communication on a spiritual level because they shared with each other the things of Christ. They shared with each other what they were learning in the word of God. They, they shared with each other the overflow of the filling of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They shared with each other the ministries and the gifts that every member was given because every member had a purpose in the family business. And, and they came together and they shared that. Fellowship means we're willing to share our own burdens, our aspirations. We're available to hear what each other is saying so we may minister to each other according to the word. The, the ultimate goal of companionship and fellowship is to build up and enrich each other in the things of Christ so that we all may be tuned to him. For that, we need each other. And then lastly, implied in biblical fellowship is this idea of stewardship. The sharing of material possessions for the promotion of the gospel and to help those in need. A steward, biblically, a steward is one who manages the property of another. A steward is not the owner. He or she is the manager. As stewards, we must recognize that we've all, that all that we have belongs to God. Everything we have comes from the Father and has been given to us as trusts from God to invest in his family business. Good stewardship means we recognize that we are in relationship with Jesus Christ and we are in partnership with each other and we take what we have and we share it for for the advancement of his kingdom and for the care of of those in our fellowship. And if you go on to read Acts 2, 42 through 47, in in Acts 4, you read how the early believers, everything they owned, they saw as as gods and for the fellowship of believers. And so if anyone had need, they would would sell property and use that money to to care for each other. That, That was implied in fellowship. Fellowship is way more than cookies and coffee in the fellowship hall. It's way more than an event or an activity. It is, at least it was for the early church, it was a way of life. It was natural overflow from shared relationship with Jesus and it was absolutely essential to the continuing mission of Jesus on earth. We need each other. We need each other. The the kingdom's mission needs fellowship. So come, come with me uh, to July of 2019, okay, so just this past July. Myself and uh, a number of people in this church fellowship had signed up to run a race together. It was called the Lake Michigan RTS, 
R-T-S. I think that means like run till sunstroke or <laughs> run through sand. Or uh, I think it actually means road trail sand. It was a 10K, so a six-mile run through the, like you're on a road, you're on trails, you're on going up and down sand dunes. And uh, some of us had run it before, others hadn't. We actually, um, Tara Follett had created this group online. Uh, it's still in existence if you want to join it. It's a Facebook group, like the Victory Point, like unofficial running group page. So we could have fellowship as we, you know, um, run together. And so a bunch of us had signed up for this. Um, and that day approached, and as that day was approaching, it was hot. I don't know if you remember July of 2019. It was like in the 90s, and there was like all these warnings. So a day before the race, they canceled it, just out of danger of the heat. Which I was like, yes, like they canceled <laughs> But they canceled it. And so the day before, we're like, oh, man, we were kind of looking forward to doing this together. And so we came up with this idea. Tori helped come up with this idea, like, why don't we invite everybody over to our house the morning that we were supposed to have the race, and we'll do our own race. We'll kind of run down the bike path. We'll run through the trails over by our house. We'll run down a tunnel park and run on the beach. And uh, if people have kids, they can stay at our house. And uh, Tori and JC made pancakes for them. And uh, it was so much fun. Like, I'm going to like, embarrassingly show a couple pictures from that. Um, look at, there's me finishing the race. Look at that gut, just like midriff right there. That's me finishing the race. I won my, I was the only 49-year-old running that race, so I won my class, you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't finish first, but I I won my class, and we wore our bibs from the race, and all the kids were down at the end of my subdivision with squirt guns, like, spurring us on, and and cheering us on, and it was such a fun day, like, here's other people coming, and they probably came in after me, because I'm way fast, but, uh, like, there's Leslie, and Scott, and, you know, here's kind of like the, a, a lot of the group that were participated in that day. I don't know why Brendan's in there. He didn't run the race, but he showed up. He, dro- he rode his bike all the way from Grand Haven down to our house just to be part of the festivities and have some breakfast with us. So he got in the picture because um, he's an athlete too. And uh, like, it was just so much fun. And then, you know, after the race, like we had our medals that we were supposed to get from the day before as our prizes. And uh, we, we, we experienced great fellowship. For me, this is a great metaphor, and this is why I share this this morning. Like when it comes to running, I need people to spur me on if I'm going to run. I don't naturally enjoy running. I don't naturally think like, oh, I think for fun I'll go out for a run. I do it because I need to, because I don't want this to get any bigger, um, because I need, because exercise helps my stress go down, and um, I need people to run with. I need people, like, like, like so, um, maybe you know this, but on Tuesday, I'm turning 50, okay? And I've decided, like, 50, like, holy cow, I should do something epic on the year I turned 50. So I'm thinking about, like, maybe running a marathon. I haven't signed up for one yet, but I'm th- it's in my head, okay? Going to run the 25K first in May as a start, but I've got people doing that with me. People that that keep me accountable, people that ask me and and see when I'm running and spur me on to run. We need each other. The writer of Hebrews says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together 
as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Brad referred to how, like in the early church, their rhythm of meeting was daily. We can barely make it once a week, if that. Like, but I've discovered, like, if I'm going to run the race, I need, I need to be interacting with the fellowship regularly, often, frequently. If I'm going to run the race, I need people to spur me on. Here's the deal. I don't need fellowship to do the American church. If, if all I care about is just doing church, like the way that we do church in America, unfortunately, like I can just show up, slip out, and, and really don't have to interact with anybody. But if I'm going to run the race, like the, the kingdom race, if I'm going to do the one thing Jesus asked us to do, make disciples, I need people to spur me on. I need fellowship to run the race and to make disciples. Mike Breen, you know, we, you've heard this quote before, I bet, because we share it quite a bit. It was a, it was a foundational watershed moment for us, you know, like uh, back in 2012 as a church leadership when, when we realize this, he, he says this, if you make disciples, you always get the church. But if you make the church, you rarely get the d- disciples. And that was a moment for us where we decided, like, we've been focusing all our energy into trying to build a good church. And we, we, we started on this long journey that we're still on, but I think we're making progress, where we're trying to shift our energy and our resources and our time into making disciples, because that's the one thing Jesus said to do. He said he would build the church, told that to Peter. He told us to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. And it's interesting when I think about this early church that we're talking about. The early church formed because a whole bunch of disciples were made at Pentecost. Thousands were added to their number that day when the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter got up and he didn't really preach that brilliant of a message. He just spoke truth and through the Holy Spirit, a whole bunch of people became disciples that day. It's interesting, isn't it? Making disciples both results in and requires fellowship. The making of disciples results in fellowship and it also requires fellowship to run the race and to stay on mission. We need each other. We can't do the work of God alone. We see that in the garden, Genesis 2. God made Adam, and he gave Adam a job to do, to work and care for the garden. And then God made this statement, but it wasn't good for man to be alone. We were never intended to do the work of God alone. I don't even know if you can, quite honestly. Not to the way it needs to be done. So so God made Adam a partner. And today we, the fellowship of believers, is our partnership in the family business. I was reading, uh, I'll kind of close with this quote, but there's there's a book called Simply Christian by N.T. Wright. He's really smart. He's really brilliant. He gets compared to like the C.S. Lewis of our day. Um, And and it it just simply Christian, why Christianity makes sense. And he has this chapter in there about belonging. You know, believing and belonging in in the fellowship of believers. And, And he quotes John Calvin. He says, 
If God is our father, the church is our mother. Those were the words of Swiss reformer John Calvin. Several biblical passages speak this way. You know, they undermine the fact that, listen to this, it is, impossible, it is as impossible, unnecessary, and undesirable to be a Christian all by yourself as it is to be a newborn baby all by yourself. And then he goes on, and this is the part I want to get at. Um, he says, the church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. You can and must worship and work for God's kingdom. Then he goes on to say this. The church also exists for a third purpose, which serves the other two. To encourage one another. To build one another up in faith. To pray with and for one another. To learn from one another. And to teach one another. And to set one another examples to follow. Challenges to take up and urgent tasks to perform. This is all part of what is known loosely as fellowship. When Brad shared a word with us this morning of what God was teaching him and set for us an example to follow, that was fellowship. We experienced the fellowship of the church. When you gather with your missional community during the week and you serve together, knowing you probably wouldn't be doing that apart from that, that's fellowship. When you gather with your missional community or others and people ask you, how are you doing with Jesus? And they ask you like, hey, what about that person you said you were praying for at work? You know, did you talk to them and keep you accountable? That's fellowship. When you hear someone's baby has been in the hospital for months and you bring food in gas cards, in gift cards. That's the stewardship that we were talking about. You know, the, the relationship, the partnership, the, the companionship, the stewardship. That's fellowship. When you come together to lead music on a Sunday morning, but you start in a room with scripture and prayer. That's fellowship. When you see someone struggling and battling, and you come around that person, and you walk with that person, that's fellowship. When, when you go to someone's house just to visit and have spiritual conversation with them and to pray with them, that's fellowship. When you get up front and you tell a story of, of the heartache of, of moving through a valley and, and discovering God and spurring each other on in the midst of it, that's fellowship. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. We're going to close out this morning. Here's what I'm learning, you know, as, as, I, as we sort of simmer and marinate and, and dwell in this one verse, you know, for weeks at a time last fall and, and now currently again, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. All four devotions are needed. Are necessary. I don't think you, you can be a Christian who says, I'll be devoted to the word and I'll be devoted to prayer, but I don't really need people. I don't think that's possible. At the very least, it's not a good idea. And it's not, you're not going to experience the fullness of, of, of the body of Christ in the kingdom of God without it. So let me just give you a couple questions to reflect on.
And um, then we're going to sing a song. But uh, like, are you devoted to fellowship? Is fellowship something that, that you leverage your time and resources toward? Is fellowship something you experience? Is oneness and sharedness something that, that you experience daily? At least more than once a week on a Sunday morning. Who spurs you on? Who has the super soaker when you're running the race and refreshes you and encourages you and celebrates with you? Who runs with you? Who do you run with? Who do you spur on? What's God saying to you? And what's one thing you can do today or this week that would be an expression of devotion to fellowship? Give that a think, then I'll pray, then we'll sing. Father, I just want to thank you for the fellowship of believers we are experiencing right now. I thank you that Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., this isn't like a show we go to. This isn't even something we go to. This is something that we are. This isn't something we do as much as an expression of who to be and who we are. Thank you that, that gathering together with others spurs me on and motivates me to keep running the race and to keep making disciples. Thank you that I get both encouraged and challenged and convicted to do that. Thank you that Something like this is where we can come sort of like the, the locker room at halftime and kind of like take a drink, get some, get some spiritual food, be bound up if we need to, be reminded of, of the urgency and the importance of, of this family business that we're in, the, the bringing of the kingdom and the making of disciples and the sharing of the gospel and, and we can get spurred on to get back out there and to keep going and to not give up. That you have not given up on us. That you have a purpose for us. And we don't need to do it alone. It would be wrong to try to do it alone. Thank you for the gift of the fellowship of believers that we call Victory Point. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's stand and we're going to sing the song we sang last week at the end because lyrically it just embodies um, who we're trying to be.